Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Our guests today are Greg Barker and Harriet Frazier. Greg Barker is the director of such films as the Final Year, Manhunt, Inside the Hunt for Bin Laden, Koran by Heart, and many, many others. Producer Harriet Frazier is a well-known operatic singer and producer of this wonderful new documentary film they're both here to talk about, White Coat Rebels. It's an urgent wake-up call into the corrupting influence of Big Pharma on the medical profession and the courageous young doctors and students fighting back to improve inequities in healthcare. The film revolves around the direct actions of health professionals seeking to reform this broken system. They're headed up in the film by a UCLA medical student, Netta Ashtari. She brings vitality and energy and commitment to the fight for a better healthcare system. She's part of an organization, Universities Allied for Essential Medicine, UAEM. The film, again, is called White Coat Rebels, and we're joined today by director Greg Barker, as well as producer Harriet Frazier. To both of you, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Um, I'll start with you, Harriet. What was the inspiration to turn what you are intimately familiar with into this particular documentary film? I mean, you know, coming, I'm a British trained doctor and uh, coming out of that and, you know, discovering the the medical system here through need uh, when we first arrived here and navigating the insurance system and and the whole medical profession here, it really, um, you know, I came out of socialized medicine in the UK and, um, you know, I realized quite quickly that we were dealing with a more of a corporation you know the way patients are dealt with and the way medicine is dealt with in this country is just entirely different and then looking further into into it with this film the corruption of of pharma i mean i saw it in the uk but nothing like uh the the lengths that they will go to here to try and really get everybody onto long-term medications and um it was really so corrupting and we really felt we had to expose this um, in this film and Greg wanted me to work on it with him with my background in the medical profession so I had that I could see it from that point of view. Before I get to you Greg I just want to ask systemically culturally philosophically what are the differences between your experience in Britain as opposed to the United States in terms of why we are so aligned with corporate interest in in medicine, is there something, or one or two things that you would point to in terms of just a political, cultural? What is it? Is there something that aligns? I mean, I think um, you know, talking to people who are going into medicine, medical students, doctors. I mean, I think there is unfortunately a, a lot more emphasis on money, um, just generally uh, from the doctor's point of view, and of course pharma itself but i you know i think the whole way of looking at medicine in this country is different 
a broad stroke here, but I think the emphasis on preventative medicine is just not there. It's it's always treating conditions, you know, and often with medications rather than looking at the whole person and trying to find out how we can get this illness on under control in, in, in more uh, natural ways. So I think that's a huge shift between what I was used to in the UK where, you know, that was one of the most important things in my job as a family doctor. In the States, you go to a doctor and, and before you've hardly you've been there five minutes, they've ordered three tests and, you know, there's, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a very different way of looking at things. And so I think it's just been turned on its head a little bit that way and looking at what they're looking at what we what can we give this person what can we get them to spend money on rather than um, looking at that whole person what they really should be doing themselves and their lifestyle to improve um, you know their blood pressure or whatever it is right. um, rather than just so that's one of the biggest things I, I really noticed and and of course that that just plays into pharma and and uh, how corrupt the system is. Craig Barker, director of White Coat Rebels. There's a couple of ways that we get into the story. And and one of them is through the eyes of Netta Ashtari. And she's a part of an organization called Universities Allied for Essential Medicine. Tell me a little bit about how you got to know some of the people in the film and why they were so important to you in terms of telling this story. We really wanted it to be grounded in the experiences of medical professionals at all levels who were uh, standing up to the extraordinary power of big pharma, which really kind of shapes how medicine is practiced and frankly, even how most doctors from med school on uh, throughout their career even think of their profession. When we began this project, I was approached by a um, participant studio to try to tackle this ish- issue by the late sort of great uh, Diane Wireman, who was a icon of documentary filmmaking and a phenomenal executive. She passed away last year, unfortunately. And um, but she, But we wanted to find some way into this industry that was kind of because they did an inconvenient truth, right? So but we're like, how would how do we sort of unpack this industry without just telling like the opioid story and which right. is important, but we we know that. And and so we we I we we hit upon this approach where we would we would find people who at were practitioners themselves, doctors. And I really had this insight through through Harriet and just getting to know her when we were sort of first dating how doctors think and what the influences are on them so that's so then we, we started from there let's make this character based and we looked for people who bucked the system and they were they're actually hard to find because pharma is so pervasive we literally had big institutions like johns hopkins who forbid their their anybody on staff to talk to us you can't talk to these people participant media i've got a very sort of I, my, I think my background speaks for itself i've never been sued everyone's treated fairly blanket no to anybody. And that's because people are petrified. Stanford University, the same. And I'm happy to name names. And we were just like, we were really shocked. And so Harriet and our production team found people. And uh, amongst them were these quite extraordinary group of uh, med students. Netta is one of this group. And then it's just trying to find people with interesting stories who would, who would frankly take the risk to speak out. 
And then once we found those people, it's just a question of following them. We ended up being with them during the pandemic year. That took on a whole life of its own. But really, it began from this idea that we had to find people who were willing from the inside to, to, to speak the unspoken truth. They're all very compelling. And one of the things I found interesting, and I think it's Danielle uh, Offrey who says it near the end of the film, is that people who are becoming doctors now, they're not driven to it by the same motivations that may have been happening 30 or 40 years ago, where you were going to get rich. You had, you, you were sort of, you're on your way to the country club and all of the amenities that go along with that, that there's a different kind of generation of people going into medicine because it isn't this, the same gold mine it was back 20 or 30, 40 years ago. And so what I was so encouraged by for a lot of reasons is they're in it for the Hippocratic Oath more than anything else, as well as the diversity, at least in the film, the diversity of women, people of color, people of different cultural backgrounds, whatever it is, well, what I saw in the film, that is very encouraging to me. Am I overstating that? I think, you know, Netta is such a, a great role model and, and finding her, I mean, somebody who's literally as a first or second year medical student could see what was happening and wanted to advocate, wanted to um, act on that. I mean, it's those kind of people that are going to start changing this system. I mean, it's going to take time, but that's kind of the point I was, one of the points I was making, you know, this, it felt like people were going into medicine, you know, in the UK, you're not going to earn a huge amount of money unless you end up doing a lot of private practice. You know, you went in because you you wanted to, you know, fulfill your Hippocratic Oath. You wanted to, you know, care for people and and and, and do right by them as a, as a medical professional, but you weren't at all driven by money. I mean, I think Danielle is, she's optimistic and positive. She's amazing character person. I mean, works so hard and I hope she's right. I. I you know because certainly some of the the doctors that we saw in this film, the young medical students and and um, doctors, were showing those traits that they that they wanted to change this system. But it's going to be very very hard. You know, it was hard enough to get this film on the air and and have enough people being able to talk to us, as Greg said. Yeah, Greg, watching the screener, but there was more disclaimers that would pop up in the in this film than I've ever seen in any film that I've ever watched. Is there, do you know why? Uh, <clears throat> I, I, that's news to me. I haven't seen that. Somebody's putting that on. I don't know who, but that, yeah, if there yeah. are, that would be because some lawyers somewhere yes. are, are, are nervous and pharma is notoriously litigious. And uh, that's why a lot of people didn't want to talk to us. So if somebody is feeling that when they, sh and frankly, I mean, that's, I, I give all credit to Fuse for taking the risk to showing that. If the price is they have to put some disclaimers, to keep the lawyers happy and keep pharma off their backs, then I don't care. But they, I, I have to say, I mean, I have a background in investigative journalism. I tend to, to kind of dismiss most conspiracy theories, but I was shocked, shocked at the pervasive corruption, distortion of medicine uh, that that is that that pharma has perpetuated over the last you know four or five decades, and it's it, it's, it affects how we think of ourselves, our health, and how the doctors talk to us about about our health and it's shocking and it's all driven by the profit motive when you get into it and they will say well we've saved the world through med which is true i mean thank god for antibiotics and 
our whole family took the vaccine for so it's not like we're denying the power of, of pharmaceutical treatment michael fine in the film will say the greatest you know achievement in global health is just sheer cleanliness you yes. know yes. So and so it's not you, you they, they seem to take credit for everything and we all buy into that particularly in the u.s and we medicalize everything but it's this profit motive that's driving it all and it is it is shocking and you know, the, the opioid scandal is just the tip of the iceberg. I'm not surprised the lawyers are all over it because they they will will go to great lengths, Pharma will, to um, to silence dissenting voices. Yeah, uh, and I don't remember if this is Brave New World where where the line in it was about uh, there, people have a drug problem. They're not taking enough drugs, right? That yes. was kind of the, that was yeah. the, that was the sort of the prescient he said, because we live in a world now and all you have to do is turn on any cable system. I don't care what you're on and watch daytime TV or anytime and see every other besides insurance. It's a, it's going to be mostly pharmaceuticals telling you about something you may never heard of, but now yeah. suddenly you need for you need whatever it. reason you need this new drug. And then it changes the whole doctor-patient relationship because yeah. you're going to them armed with this information, you know, uh, as, as an ad advertisement or whatever you've read on the internet, and you're saying, "I, I need this," and and it's yeah. a completely different relationship. Um, yes, I have a rash. Where's my whatever it is? Yeah. And all of a sudden, they've created a new market. I feel like I may need to step back here and just describe more about what the film is is about and the intent of the these uh, these young people mostly young people who are now in this system and understand what we're talking about we're talking about pharmaceuticals we're talking about profit motive we're talking about 10-headed monster that we see graphically just shown in the film of all of the different tentacles that go from pharmaceuticals down to every part of the healthcare system is that am I is that is that enough to be said about what we're talking about here, Greg? Is there? Well, I think we wanted to tell a tell a story from the perspective of doctors. So you want to be a doctor, you go to medical school. The film kind of begins yeah. at a medical school, inside the school. So how, how are doctors trained? What do they? What do they? What do they learn? What's their mindset? And you know, you discover in the course of that, from the very beginning. The pharma industry is influencing what is taught in medical schools, how they actually think of their profession. And then we just sort of track that along. So it has this kind of intellectual thread that kind of like, do you learn stuff along the way? And then you also track these med students um, who are part of this national, in fact, global organization that are trying to like affect change and to get simple things, well, simple, but very hard, like, like UCLA, University of California, to change the way it deals with um with with patents for 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 new drugs that are developed under you know using its taxpayer money for the University of California and they're trying to affect change they're lobbying Washington and so you have this 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 narrative of these young people trying to do something while we learn about how the the system is really affecting all of us it's kind of this experiential approach to a quite a complex problem but we do it in a way i hope that is accessible you can relate to people, you're sort of rooting for them, you see their challenges, and you see the the obstacles that they face, but yet they're still optimistic. So I come down on the side of optimism to go back to your earlier question, is that, you know, otherwise, what's the point of doing this other than that we're all in trouble? Like, but there's change is possible. This system was built by people for the last 50 years. So it can be changed and deconstructed by people too. 
it's just a reflection of our society, but we have the, we all collectively have the power to change it. We just have to be aware of what's happened. There's a different way of doing it. So I want to remind our listeners that we are speaking with the film team behind this wonderful documentary film called White Coat Rebels, and that would be director Greg Barker, as well as producer Harriet Fraser. I think everyone who has extensive dealings with our healthcare system in this country, with the exception of maybe the upper echelon of people who can afford almost any level of care that they want, anyone else, knows that the system is fraught with trapdoors and with issues that can put you on the edge of bankruptcy. There's a there's a something that was said in the film, and I want to repeat it because I think it's really important. Nobody should be poor because they are sick. Nobody should be sick because they are poor. And my question has to do with the politics of this. The vast majority of the American public and the voting public understand that the healthcare system is broken or at least non non-responsive to the vast majority of people in this country. And yet it survives. And I know it's power, it's money. Is that the best answer to, to the question of why it survives intact, basically in this kind of money laundering operation that it is? I mean, I think, yes, they've lost their way. The pharmaceutical industry are just so intent on pleasing their shareholders. They just are not seeing those people trying to, you know, pay their bills, get a meal on the table and pay for insulin that they need for their diabetes, which is just prohibitively expensive. And I do, I do, I do. I think they've lost their way in terms of, you know, just profit being the number one thing. And they, you know, obviously the number one lobbyists in terms of the amount of money they spend on that in Washington. And they're just not seeing the, the vast majority of people who are just trying to make ends meet as well as pay for all these medications and often are ending up not paying and their health care suffers as a result. And then they end up in a much worse condition in hospital. Yeah. I think people have an intuitive sense that there's something wrong, like you said. It's also the, the problem is so sort of ingrained, it's hard to really see the full picture. I mean, I didn't understand it at all until I spent, we spent a year researching it and then you kind of begin to see it. So it's very hard for you know, the ordinary person who's kind of, we go to our diet, we don't really get it, like what's really going on here. But I do think there's a way of, there's a way of changing it. I mean, it's, it's just, it is, it's a reflection of our society, but I think it's not, doesn't actually reflect our society's values. I mean, even as divided as we are politically, Obamacare, whatever you want to call it, actually a lot of, it's generally popular across populations because there was a need for it. And it's so, so people kind of sense this, that, and, and I think once you kind of, if you look at pharma and the system and away from politics and, and just see what's actually going on and what medicine should be about, I think there's pretty broad agreement about yeah. the issues. It's just yeah. very hard to get changed because the lobby is just so strong, but that, yeah. you know, can change over time. Look what happened to the tobacco industry. I mean, it, right. it, it is possible to change. It just needs to be. And, it, and, and it's great that all the attention has been focused on the Sacra family and all that. But I think pharma is frankly happy to throw them under the bus. So everyone else looks Pfizer and everyone else looks clean and they're giving us these vaccines and all that. But it's it's the whole system of which the Sacras were particularly notorious. But it's the whole, it's the whole system that is the problem. And I want to inject the film is very optimistic. 
can I say? Yeah. I mean, I want to say <laughs> I'm I, I am ranting and raving here, yeah. but it's because it's such a terrible, awful. It's a violation of human rights, as far as I'm concerned, that we don't have a level of health care in this country that we can depend upon, whether we're poor or not. But the film itself, these generation of people who are coming into the profession, Harriet, I am so encouraged to, to see them not only do their job in the way that you'd want, you would hope that doctors would do this, but also their activism is, seems to be in, embedded in them. Is that is that fair to say? Oh, it's inc incredible. I mean, I, you know, thinking, you know, of, of Netta and um, managing to, you know, do that kind of um, activism while they're trying to study for exams and work. I mean, that's passion. I mean, they are, they are, they don't have any time. And, and that is just so encouraging. I just, we need that movement to grow and grow. And I think they are the kind of inspiring people that can, um, that can do that. Um, Gloria as well, incredibly inspiring, but they're all working, you know, multiple hours a day and managing to fit that in as well. And I know what that's like. I don't think I could have fit that in. I hope that they can inspire a whole generation. They need to. It needs, you know, it's this sort of grassroots kind of movement is is just what we need. Um, well, especially coming from the most powerful country with the most pervasive healthcare system in the world, to be able to crack that bond between healthcare, manageable, affordable healthcare, and and what the system we have now is an incredibly important thing and i think it sends a message to so much of the rest of the world that if it's possible here and in some ways we may be the most egregious healthcare system in the regard that we're talking about in terms of the profit motivation i'm not sure maybe i'm just talking out of my um hat here but it's we're certainly in terms of producing the amount of money that comes through this system we we far and away the most yeah. in, the, in the world yeah, and it's it's not producing the best results. I mean, the, right. the outcomes here are just are just you know just not you know they just don't um, tally with the the amount of money that, that's being spent. It's it's being spent in the wrong ways. So well, it has to, has to change. Well, infant mortality is a scandal unto itself in this country, especially with people of color. That is unacceptable. Yeah, it's incredibly inequitable. Yeah. Well, thank you both. Thank you for your work. Thank you so much. The filmmaking is called White Coat Rebels. We've been talking with the director, Greg Barker, as well as the producer, Harriet Fraser. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.